Uh, welcome in, everybody. Happy Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. We are on the eve of National Signing Day. A lot to get into on today's program. I know I say that a lot, it feels like, with every one of these shows, but certainly today, because again, National Signing Day is tomorrow for South Carolina. We already have a good indication as to who's going to be signing. We will get into that. We'll also get into some of the players who are expected to be early enrollees. We'll get into what's going on with the transfer portal. A lot of things that have been moving around since our last Tuesday show, so we'll talk about that. And we'll also share some thoughts as well on just the portal and the NIL combination and some things to keep an eye on over these next couple of days, as well as some information that we continue to monitor. That's one of the reasons why we just hopped on a little bit later. So we apologize for the six-minute delay. Uh, that is why we weren't on to start at two. Having said that, he's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. Appreciate everyone that has tuned in today. As you guys have been all month long, Gamecock Central, the number of subscribers, I put this out there, I think it was yesterday on social media. The number of subscribers this month for Gamecock Central, it has been absolutely insane. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has signed up to Gamecock Central or have been a longtime subscriber. If you're not, if you're not, sign up today. We have a tremendous deal going on right now. If you head on over to Gamecock Central and you sign up between, well, it's been running, but before, the 21st, you're going to have an opportunity to get an access uh, for half the price, $54.99 for one year. So you do the math on that, about 55 bucks for 12 months or worth, uh, 55 bucks for the year for 12 months. I mean, you can't beat that. And it's not just obviously football with the transfer portal, National Signing Day, all that other stuff, but you get basketball, you get baseball. And women's basketball standpoint, you're not going to find a better place to get women's basketball coverage than Gamecock Central. I can promise you that. Chris Wilbon and the crew do an outstanding job. Having said all that, having said all that, let's get into what's took place since the last time we did this show. I, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on things that aren't going to impact South Carolina as far as uh, tomorrow, right? But at the same time, too, I think based on what took place with A.J. Swan, and I shared some of it on Gamecock Central last night. I'll share some of it here for those of you who aren't subscribers, but if you are, you get the information right away. Plus, some of this news, you're not going to be able to get as much. You'll see more on GC on the insider form. Impact South Carolina in this regard. And some of you guys know this already throughout the last couple of weeks. I'm going to apologize right now, but I'll be constantly looking down at my phone if information's coming in as to things that I need to pay attention to. So I apologize for that. With AJ Swan last night, right? And I reported this last night on Gamecock Central, Joe. First off, Joe, say something because I know I've been just rambling. How you doing, buddy? You having a good day? You breathing? Good, Mike. I'm doing good. It's talking Tuesday afternoons. Um, you know, obviously bumping it up to the afternoons, kind of like it. We're getting more people in here, so it's good. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in to the walkthrough live. I think we had some success with that, and then also everyone, nice. thank you everyone for checking out my interview with Dante Reno. I posted that right after because we couldn't get some th sound things working, so we couldn't play it live. But, yeah, I appreciate everyone tuning into the first live edition. We might make that a weekly thing. We'll see. But, yeah, I'm doing good, Mike. How about you? I'm, I'm doing all right. We're hanging in there. Uh, we'll yeah. find some sleep at some point. Not just gonna, We're not going to sleep today, though. No, certainly not going to sleep. I cannot wait until 5 o'clock tomorrow, and we'll get into that. Garnet Trust is going to be holding a party um, post-National Signing Day, and it's going to be an opportunity to be able to celebrate, hopefully – 
the $1 million match. We will get into that in a little bit too because Gamecock fans have done an outstanding job, outstanding job, getting so, so close. And Cocky Joe wants to know where it last stood. I'll, I'll throw that out there right now. How about that? Yeah. I will share the information as far as the last thing that we have been told about Garnet Trust. And this came, I'd say, I don't know, maybe uh, two hours ago or so, four or five hours. It is uh, over $960,000. I believe it's it's even less, you know, it's even less than 40000 now. I mean, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but we are less than $40,000 away from South Carolina's Garnet Trust program of being able to do their million-dollar match. So that campaign ends tomorrow. So, again, all new memberships, upgrades, and or contributions count towards the match. So head on over to GarnetTrust.com. As we've said before, what you're donating is essentially times two. You want to just add $10, it's like you're giving 20 So think of it that way. And anything they get over that mark, obviously they're not going to go you know, more than a million-dollar match, but – that extra money, if it's over a million, that's going to be going to support Gamecock, Gamecock student-athletes. And as we've seen right now at the transfer portal this offseason, South Carolina has done a tremendous job. Uh, Travis Ford says, how are we spending the money we have? Transparency. That'd be a, that'd be a question for Guard at Trust. I know over – because I don't work for Guard at Trust, Travis. Um, and I, I wish I could give you a little bit more about that. Obviously, the numbers aren't going to come out. They're not going to show, okay – Johnny's getting this much money. This is how much this player is getting. Because when you do that, when you do that, other schools have an idea as to how much you value a player. And it's funny, it's ironic, because, and I said this yesterday on 107.5 The Game, we'll get into it a little bit, uh, about Juice Wells. Juice Wells is actually going to be making less money at Ole Miss this year than he made last year at South Carolina Mm -hmm. uh, because of how things were handled. And things just started to change. And his worth in the eyes of some programs started to nosedive. nosedive. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's start off with A.J. Swan. And the reason why I want to start off with A.J. Swan, Joe, is because I know that there was probably a portion of this fan base when they heard the news that Swan was going to likely be a Gamecock. And we can say this now. I mean, shoot, I had my breakdown video ready to go. The, the welcome home, and I shared this last night, reported this on Gamecock Central, the welcome home from Shane Beamer on Sunday night was for Swan. What transpired from Sunday evening into Monday afternoon is what changed and ultimately led Swan to committing to LSU. So a couple of things with that, saying that. What stinks right now with the way the transfer portal is, there is no binding agreement when a player enters the portal before they actually enroll into a program. When they enroll, when they enlist into a school, that is when the binding agreement takes place. It is so ridiculous. And I'm not just saying this because of Swan. I'm talking about just in general. I've talked with multiple coaches, not just at South Carolina, but just throughout college football over the last couple of days about this. It is so insane how they don't have something in place. And the reason why, especially in this era, we talk about NIL, Joe, you have players who are committing. And it's similar in the sense of you could say with like high school players, right? I mean, it's a verbal commitment, but we know other schools are going to continue to pursue them. But with this, 
especially with the time crunch, right? You have early national yeah. signing day. You got, you know, the win- the transfer portal window so small. You have players telling coaching staffs, I'm going to your school. And I'm not saying this is specific with some of these players at South Carolina, but sometimes, and this happens at college football, sometimes they're using that as leverage because other schools are coming in saying, well, we can offer you more money. You know, again, I've said this before. NIL isn't the issue. It's the combination of NIL with the loose portal rules. So when you add those two things together, when you combine those two elements, you get an absolute, absolute storm of chaos. And that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen. Yeah, Mike. So it's, it's again, we talk about it every week, every show. Um, this transfer portal era is evolving more and more and more every year. So it's kind of a different thing. And obviously Sunday night we were kind of in a pickle because – um, the big spur was reporting the verbal commitment. And so we weren't sure we hadn't reported anything official yet on Gamecock central. Um, so it, it's kind of a weird thing with AJ Swan. Um, you thought you had him locked up and then, you know, commits to LSU. Um, so now you're, you're also still on the hunt for a quarterback. We're getting a bunch of questions. Malachi Nelson, a big one, um, there, KJ Jefferson as well. So we'll get into all of that. Um, but yeah, Mike, kind of a weird thing to happen. Um, and Swan was going to be one of those guys that you would like, cause you need to go out and get a quarterback. You, you need to, cause you don't have enough guys in the room right now to like play with a full season. Cause in case somebody goes down and granted knock on wood here, you need to go out and get a quarterback. And so Swan would have helped, um, you know, fill up the roster a little bit and then also give Honoris, um, you know, a competition going into that starting job. So, um, you Again, you still need a quarterback, and unfortunate how the Swan thing went down. But, um, yeah, Mike, you're still in the market for a quarterback now. Maybe two. Yeah, and and again, we'll get into some of the questions with certain players. And, Travis, I saw your question. Uh, Again, I don't work for Garnet Trust, so I don't know the specifics with some of it. Um, But that is a link that I just sent you that has their frequently asked questions. So hopefully that can help you out. And if you're not already, again, if you're a subscriber, as the – Smoke alarm goes off in my building. Uh, that has been an occurrence today, and I can hear Brooke running around trying to put a pillow in front of it. God, she's an all-star girlfriend. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of where we are with National Signing Day. I think that, the alarm, I don't know, can you hear that, Joe? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I oh, did great. Travis, we right. did cover uh, a lot of that stuff, or I did cover that stuff with uh, my interview with Jeremy Smith that's also on YouTube, so go check that mm-hmm. out. Perfect. All right. So let's get into the AJ Swan stuff because I want to I want to bring this stuff up and I want to get back to where South Carolina is now moving forward. Uh, yesterday, again, things changed between Sunday night and Monday afternoon. And from the people that I spoke with close to the situation. And I want to make sure that I have all my notes here. Because, I mean, shoot, there's been so many things changing these last couple days um, as a report on Gamecock Central. I said Sunday night was reported by multiple outlets, including on three, that things were looking good for South Carolina to land Vanderbilt transfer quarterback A.J. Swan. Since Sunday night, a few things have changed. Gamecock Central has learned that, as I said, Shane Beamer's welcome home tweet on Sunday night was for Swan after he verbally committed to the Gamecocks. But as of Monday afternoon, it appears that Swan will be going to LSU, bearing any last-minute changes. Of course, what took place about maybe, I don't know, an hour later, if that, hour and a half later, Swan committed to LSU. I also added this from the people that I spoke with. 
on the situation? Because some people ask, well, was this a decision by Swan? Was this a decision by South Carolina? Swan would have joined a quarterback room of Sellers, Reno, and Doty. Because remember, Dante Reno is going to be enrolling next month as an early enrollee. From the sounds of it, South Carolina wasn't going to commit to him being the starter without an open competition. There's a little bit more that goes into it, but again, that's what those are the things that I were I was told that I feel comfortable with being able to report. I reported some of that last night. I also reported a little while ago this afternoon from just continuing to do some digging. Swan did not ask South Carolina or any of the collectives for additional money in that time period because some people wonder, oh, is this an NIL thing? I have no idea if LSU has a package for him. I have no idea how much they're giving him, but I can tell you it was not. And I've heard situations with some players, whether they're current Gamecock players, whether they're players in the past that South Carolina was pursuing from a recruiting standpoint. And they've asked for more money. And that has been a reason why some of those players ultimately did not choose South Carolina. That is not the case in this situation. Again, from talking to people, I've seen text messages. I've talked with people that are, are as close to this thing as it gets. I know Swan's mother came out and said, oh, I would just like him to be home. I've been covering at the SEC for about a decade. I've played college football. No parent wants the narrative out there that their son doesn't want to compete. So take it for what it's worth. Having said all that, I fault South Carolina uh, I don't fault South Carolina one bit. You don't promise, especially to – I think Swan could be a very good quarterback. If he goes to LSU and whether he's the backup there, whether he's the starter there, whatever, and again, from the sounds of it, he just feels like he's going to be in a better situation to compete for the starting job there. <laughs> I roll my eyes at some of this. But if that is the case, right, South Carolina, you can't guarantee anyone a starting job, especially if you feel confident. If you feel confident – that sellers can compete, right? I, I've said this before, and Joe, we've talked about this before. Yeah. As as much as I want to sit here and say, hey, you know what? We want to see more out of sellers. The last thing you want to do is end a competition before it even begins. Now, yep. certainly, if there's a player, and you know, we've, we've talked about KJ Jefferson out there, and I'll say this from the sounds of it, at least as of right now, but with the portal, everything continues to change. Jefferson to South Carolina, it doesn't seem like it's it's happening. So just to throw that out there, I know some people have been asking about things continue to change each day, sometimes even each hour during this transfer portal window. Oh, yeah. um, as we've I think many of you are starting to learn. I can tell you from doing this and covering it, it continues to change. The conversations that go on behind the scenes, it's absolutely insane. But I bring these things up, Joe, because you as much as I would love South Carolina to be able to find a quarterback they feel confident enough with to be able to challenge sellers, challenge Reno, and also challenge themselves to potentially be the starting quarterback. You can't guarantee 90%, I'd say, of the quarterbacks that are in the portal a starting spot. You just can't. Yeah. No, and you need – At least not at South Carolina. No, because you have a guy like Lenore Sellers. You're going to give Lenore Sellers – a shot at the job and you want him to you know have a shot at the job he is you know the quarterback of the future essentially or you know one of the homegrown guys in state um west mitchell was talking about that as well like that's another big benefit for him but yeah no you can't 
guarantee a transfer guy a starting spot over a guy who, you know, has been ripping up the twos. I say this all the time when we bring up Lenore Sellers. You know, you can't, you know, count out a guy who's been tearing up the twos because if he's tearing up the the, the twos, then that means he deserves a shot with the ones. So you, you cannot go into the portal and just guarantee a spot like that in December before you've even started spring football, before you've even seen what Sellers looks like com- starting to compete for the job. So, uh, you know, maybe – and re- remember this too, like the transfer portal is – wide open through pretty much summer or right up until summer camp, right? Like there's another big rush and another big windows. So we're far from done here, but I think, you know, you, again, Mike, I, to that point, I, I don't think no matter who it is, really, even if it is KJ Jefferson, which we've talked about is, isn't really going to happen. Um, you know, you can't guarantee somebody a starting spot when you have a guy like sellers as dynamic as sellers is. Well, and we've also said this, Joe, and I know you'll agree with this, but you never know in terms yeah. of the audience, right? I mean, we have some new viewers today. We appreciate you if this is your first time watching Talking Tuesday. And I'm sure, as Jay Diz, appreciate some of our yeah. regulars tuning in. And Jay Diz says, you know, Swan found out how good Sellers is. Finding a quarterback who might not start isn't easy. And this sure. is the thing. And Jay Diz, I'm sure you would agree based on some of the things I've heard you say in the past. Because, again, you're one of our regulars and we appreciate you. I've said this, and I know I said this last week. I said this on other shows as well. If we believe, or if you believe, and I say you as a listener, if you believe, if you are in the camp that you feel confident enough that Sellers is going to be the guy next year, right? Like he is the guy. Regardless of who they bring in there, if you feel like he's that good, competition shouldn't change that. If anything, it's only going to get more out of him. It's going to get the best yep. out of him. So I keep telling that to people. And I think, I think based on how things have gone with this off season, right? Especially with Swan's, uh, <laughs> you know, insert the uh, grandpa Simpson, uh, Jeff of him walking in and out of the bar or the restaurant, you know, just puts the hat on the rack, picks it up. And then he's out there. I mean, that's what Swan's experience was like at South Carolina before it even got going. You need to be able to find, I think people are understanding this, you need to be able to create depth in that room. You need to be able to create competition. I would say this. I would say this about any position. The the thing about the quarterback position, right, it's going to attract, right, and rightfully so, it's going to attract more eyeballs. It's going to attract the conversations, right? I mean, there's things on the offensive line, right? There's things on the offensive line, even the wide receiver room for crying out loud. Go across the board, offense, defense. There's positions that we can sit here and say, man, I don't know who's going to be the starter. Man, there's going to be a good competition there. Man, I hope someone's pushing that person to be the whatever, right? But the quarterback position, it will always, always take center stage. So having said all that, having said all that, I I think more than anything, the fact that Reno is enrolling early, South Carolina needs to be just just praying to the Lord and saying, thank you that we're at least going to have an additional body here. Number one, but you're at least going to be able to have some type of competition. Again, as of right now, Doty will be in there, I'm sure as well. So having said that though, if, if things don't change, man, man, you know what I mean? Like you need to add one more piece to that room, at least, at least, at least one more piece. But as of today, as of today, it doesn't appear that South Carolina has a guy. Now, certainly things can change over the next couple of days, next week or so, right? Because 
even though South Carolina is not in this situation as far as quarterbacks are concerned, there's going to be some players tomorrow who some schools are expecting to get their national letter of intent from, and they're not going to sign with that school. Numbers change, right? The numbers game. If a player tries to wait a little bit longer, right? That could be the case with Daniel Hill at Alabama right now. I'll get into that a little bit as well. So, you know, there could be some things that happen, but it does scare me a little bit. And certainly you couldn't have foreseen this coming. It does scare me a little bit about the waiting part of it, because I know some people are going to be like, well, it's all right. There'll be some other guys that will come. The longer you wait, now it's starting. The, the, the pickings begets, becomes a little bit thinner. You know what I mean, Joe? Especially yeah. at that position. Yeah, absolutely. No, so you you need depth at quarterback. Um, you need more than what you have. Even though Reno um, and Doty will be capable backups for sure, you, you just need more depth. You need to challenge Lenoris a little bit here. Um, and Mike, I loved your point too about you know if you don't think Lenoris is gonna has it in him to beat out somebody that you bring in, then you know he shouldn't really be your quarterback. If you don't think he has the the mental fortitude to go beat out somebody that you brought in, I mean I don't know if he can survive the SEC like that. So obviously you want to push him. You don't necessarily now personally for me at least I don't think you bring in a guy like KJ Jefferson that would be you know a favorite to win the job. But you do want to bring in. I think honestly, him. Joe, I think you bring in the best that you can and you're not going to overpay it. And Mark, I'm just mentioning Mark's comment. Mark says, okay, Swan isn't coming. Move on. Mark, it's not necessarily just about Swan. It's the trickle down effect that it's going to have right now in that quarterback room, because now again, and I'm, you know, tell me what you think. If, if this is the way your quarterback room is right now, even again, let's say you're very confident in seller's ability and that's great. That's, that's awesome you still have a quarterback, number one, starting with Sellers, who's never started a game. You have Luke Doty in there, who's also been playing wide receiver, but Doty hasn't started a game at quarterback since 2021. He's your most experienced quarterback. He's also your most productive returning wide receiver from a year ago, as far as Gamecocks go, right? Guys not aren't entering via the transfer portal. He had 13 catches last year. He led the team in terms of returning production in that wide receiver room, Harbor second with 12 receptions. And then you also have Dante Reno, who hasn't even stepped foot on campus as a collegiate player yet. So again, you need to be able to add depth. We've talked about this before in the past 2021, the number of quarterbacks USC went through. I'm not saying that you need necessarily five, five quarterbacks in that room. And I think honestly, and I said this on Gamecock Central, based on having conversations with coaches across college football, I think you'll start to see a lot of college quarterback rooms begin to shrink in the near future. And the reason being is I think being able to have two guys that you feel confident about, right? And being able to go to the portal and be able to add someone in there. And just like the NFL, you have an emergency number four guy. The reason why is because a lot of these quarterbacks now, right? You look in the uh, on the roster the last couple of years, Colton Gothier, Tanner Bailey, they both enter the portal. So the more that you stack up quarterbacks in the room like we've seen in the past, it's just using up scholarships. So I, I think, again, just simple you know, economics, supply and demand. There's going to be quarterbacks out there. Are they talented enough to play at this level? That's obviously you know a big question, but you're always going to be able to find someone to at least create depth in being able to find someone that can be a backup if you need to do that. Yeah. So that's something. Again, we will see. Yeah, and Mark. Uh, yep, I hear you. Mark says no. I'm all for getting another quarterback. Absolutely, we cannot bring one in. Yep, I hear you. 
I hear you. Um, so that's where we stand right now with the quarterback situation. But I wanted to bring that up, and I think it's just it will get asked tomorrow. I'm sure. I'm sure someone will ask Shane Beamer about the quarterback room. And my guess is he'll say, you know, we have confidence in Sellers. We have confidence in Reno. We have confidence in Luke Doty. But I'm sure, I am sure they're going to continue to stay active as far as going out there into the transfer portal. So, again, we, we know that there's certain positions they need to add depth at. We knew that already with quarterback. This, you know, if, if you want to call it a welcome home now, what's the reverse of it? You know, uh, doors on the left? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but you have that extra scholarship from there. But you're also looking to add pieces at wide receiver. And what I can say about wide receiver, because last night, Last night, one of our uh, colleagues out there, I think, scared some people with a report about a Gamecock wide receiver, Gamecock portal guy who's been committed. And McGowan's seriously thinking about BC. So what we've been able to find out, and Chris Clark did a phenomenal job, and I don't want to give too much away because some of it is behind a paywall and Gamecock Central. So again, if you're not a subscriber, head on over to there. Um, but I'll say this, and this is one thing that uh, Chris wrote, and again, there's more on Gamecock Central, but as Chris reported, to correct a narrative floating around Gamecock Nation, in the last several hours, this is not a NIL battle between BC and South Carolina. Again, I think some people saw that and they're thinking, man, South Carolina is in an NIL battle with BC. No, 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 no. Chris writes, they're not in an NIL battle between Boston College, you know, and that the Gamecocks are losing. USC's not going to engage in an NIL back and forth here. In many incidents, uh, incidents, incident, I can't even speak. Instant. It's one of those frigging days. In many cases, how about that? South Carolina has been extremely competitive from an NIL standpoint, which is one reason we've seen the school succeed in the high school ranks and the transfer portal. So the idea that they can't compete with Boston College is not correct, and there is a mountain of evidence otherwise. So, again, that's not to say that we're not monitoring the situation, but just to correct the narrative out there, this is not – this is not this is not an NIL battle with Boston College. Um, being someone that's from the Boston area, South Carolina, I mean, Boston College can't compete with Boston, uh, with South Carolina. It's a very, very good academic school, but from a football standpoint, from an opportunity standpoint, I know you know Zay Flowers is doing some awesome things in the NFL, phenomenal player with, with for the Ravens who played at BC. but you can't compare the two. So again, it is not an NIL back and forth. So let's just, let's just put that to bed, put that to bed. Uh, but again, that's not saying that we're not monitoring the situation as far as McGowan, because he did have a good relationship with Swan. And that also played a role as to why Swan originally committed to South Carolina on Sunday night. I know many people, I think a couple people pointed it out. And again, I talked about the competition part of it. I think it may have been Eric. I think it was Eric. I wanted to give proper credit. Uh, there we go. Where's Eric? There we go, Eric. Um, as Eric mentioned, you know, 
Jaden Daniels declared for the NFL yesterday. So when we're talking about competition, we're talking about a numbers game. Swan might feel more comfortable, more confident to go to LSU. LSU is obviously a hell of a football program, right? It's a hell of a football program. So he may have looked at it as, all right, man, Jaden Daniels back. Eh, I don't like my odds with that, you know, and mm, I'm competing with the job over here, but I'm not going to be promised the start, uh, the starting spot. You know what? Oh, Jaden's gone. All right, let's go to LSU. So, again, not to get so hung up on what's took place with Swan, but again, it has a trickle down. That's why we're talking about it in the manner in which we're talking about. Uh, what we got here? Daniel. Oh, my bad, Mike. Okay. There was a Daniel question says, when do you give your high school recruits a chance with transport, uh, transport recruits? What you got on this, Joe? I, nothing. Daniel, if you could re-comment or something like that, maybe clear it up. Yeah, Daniel, just uh, let's see. I think what he's trying to com- what he's trying to say is, you know, when do you give your high school recruits a chance in comparison to going after the transfer portal guys? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, and Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong, if if that's not exactly what you meant. I'm just trying to understand the question. I, I think I think what you're ultimately trying to do is you're trying to just build a program that you feel like is going to be the best to succeed, and coaches and Yep, Daniel says exactly. All right, I got you, buddy. So from from my understanding of how South Carolina does it, as well as other schools, you're constantly writing out, you have whiteboards as far as what your depth chart is. Now, we have this on Gamecock Central. I want to see if this works because I will share it here, and you guys can kind of get an idea, a really small version of it, small version of what they work with. But you can see that, Joe? Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So what you're currently seeing right now, and this is the scholarship tracker on Gamecock Central. Now, obviously, obviously, um, obviously this doesn't include walk-ons, right? Who are also on the depth chart, but I'm showing this to you because South Carolina is constantly looking at, okay, where are we standing as far as how many players are returning next year, right? How many players are returning? How much more years of eligibility does a certain player have? So you have these things, but you also, again, have players who are non-scholarship in there as well. So you're trying to constantly stay updated as far as, all right, what happens if a player enters the portal? You know, where are we going to look at, uh, at this position? What if a player decides to declare some of those upperclassmen? So I bring those things up because, to go back to your question, Daniel, I, I think, again, if you feel like a portal player can come in here like a Rocket Sanders, right? Justin just said, uh, we got Rocket. You know, if you have a player like Rocket Sanders, if you have a player that can come in here, whether they have only one year of eligibility left, whether they have two years of eligibility left, like an Oscar Attaway, right? Yep. If you feel like those players can give you something that your program's missing, you're going to do that. And I think the other thing, too, is we can talk about Daniel Hill in a little bit. Daniel Hill, who we've talked about on this program before, four-star running back from the state of Mississippi. I know some people feel like it's done. I can tell you from having conversations, and again, this was one of the reasons why we hopped on a little bit later. That's not done yet. 
And quite frankly, what I would say is it's really coming down between South Carolina and Mississippi State now. It feels like, based on the things that I've been able to gather, it feels like Alabama is kind of done on him. And I'm not saying that 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 means the door is fully shut. But going back to what we were talking about before, you start to play the number game. How many running backs do we have now? Certainly, if you look at what's going on in South Carolina's running back room right now, Joe, I think a lot of people would say, well, there's a lot of running backs in this room. There are. There are. However, they've been very high on Daniel Hill. They've been very high. If you bring Daniel Hill in here again, like we've talked about the quarterback position, like we can talk about the wide receiver position, whatever position, you bring in talented players, guess what? Yeah, guys might want to enter the portal, but you know what? You have a lot of talent there. That room's going to look freaking good because not everyone's going to enter the portal. And if some guys do, you know what? Next man up. Use that scholarship on someone else. That's what South Carolina's been doing with other scholarships this offseason, right? Yeah. Guys left in the quarterback room, they use some of those scholarships in other positions. And that's what they've yeah. done. Plain and simple, right? And I mean, in this day and age, you want as many guys that can play as you can for competition's sake. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, everyone is really high on Daniel Hill. We know this. So he could go into that room and, and be a difference maker, shake things up a little bit. You know, we don't know. So obviously, if you can get a guy like Daniel Hill, great. But again, as Mike said, it is a developing situation at the moment um, between South Carolina and Mississippi State. We'll see. Obviously, signing day being tomorrow, but he's committing later. Uh, is he committing later? I can't remember. You said Daniel Hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hill's going to be making his commitment on January 6th. 6th, yeah. That's, yeah, from what I remember. So it's still going to be an evolving situation. Obviously, we won't have an answer tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, there's still a long way to go in the Daniel Hill saga. But, you know, your running back room as it sits right now, you should be excited about it, right? Rocket Sanders, Oscar Attaway, and then you still have DJ Braswell and then Matthew Fuller coming in. So, and then Juju McDowell, can't forget about him as well. Uh, so it's it's pretty deep as it is. But again, in this day and age, the more the merrier. You saw what happened last year with all of the injuries and all that stuff. And knock on wood here because, you know, don't want any bad juju, any bad karma. But, you know, you need as many bodies as you can. And sometimes you lose guys in spring ball. Sometimes you lose guys in summer ball. So you at this point, at this stage in the game, you're trying to restock as, as well as you can and as much as you can at this point. So, because you know guys are going to transfer out as well. One more thing, and Mark, I mentioned this a little bit earlier in case you missed it, because I know you said you know his mom wanted him to go to LSU and that played the role. I'm not trying to attack a family, but again, I trust the people that I've spoke with. I've been covering the SEC for about a decade. I played college ball for four years. When a mother knows, when a parent knows, when a sibling knows that there is a narrative out there that their son, their brother, their whatever – is not being viewed as being competitive. And that's the reason why they're, you know, shying away from something. Of course, they're going to come out there and say something. So again, I stand by everything I reported. Um, and again, from talking to more people today and seeing the text messages, even more text messages that were exchanged with Swan, and some of the, um, the individuals over at USC. I think everything kind of adds up as to why he's not here. Uh, having said all that though, Justin brings up a question. I think some people are going to think about this. And this, Joe, we've talked about this. Justin yeah. says, oh, yeah. I mean, do we have to rush? You know, there'll be another period for transfers. Now, obviously, we've been spending a lot of time talking about quarterbacks. It could be a wide receiver. It could be whatever position you want. Insert position here. 
I think what we're seeing with South Carolina, especially in the running back room, and especially why even when we're talking about Daniel Hill, if God forbid he were to still commit to South Carolina in a very crowded running back room, USC learned from last year, right? They wanted a specific running back, right? Kid from Notre Dame that ended up at LSU, and they spent a lot, a lot of time on him. And what happened? Well, eventually he committed to LSU. And when they went to their second option, poof, that kid, because they didn't spend as much time on him, he went somewhere else. So, yes, you were very fortunate to bring in a very talented running back out of Newberry and Mario Anderson, and he did some good things here, right? Is he on the same level as those two guys? Yeah, but he did some good things, right? He did some good things. You were able to, you know, put some uh, flex seal on it, you know? You were able to patch up the hole for a little bit. But the point being is, I think what we're seeing from South Carolina this year is they learned from their hesitation last season, specifically with the running back room. And I think that's why they're being very, very, very proactive this year in certain positions. Now, obviously, there's some factors that go into it. Number one, you're not in a bowl game this year, so you have more time to really focus, even though I still think the coaching staff would have been active in it. Uh, okay. But number two, Number two, you don't have a choice. The longer you wait with a lot of these positions, the longer you wait, you're really doing a disservice to yourself. Now, I mean, again, we talked about the uh, uh, McGowan situation, right? Hypothetically, hypothetically, if he were to flip his decision. Now, I mean, that's another that's another rod receiver you have to replace. I mean, I still think South Carolina with McGowan in the room you still need to be able to bring in one more experienced wide receiver. You know, that's just my opinion. He goes, now you got to probably bring in two more guys, even though you're bringing in some very, very versatile tight ends, like a guy like Brady Hunt. You know, he's someone that can go out yeah. there. Uh, versatile players, excuse me. I mean, you have a versatile tight end in Brady Hunt, a guy that can make an impact as a receiver. Uh, I've said this before. He reminds me a lot, especially with the size. Like he's 6'6", 250. I think Hayden Hurst was 6'5", 250. Runs a similar 40 in that 4'6 range, which Hayden ran. He reminds me a lot of Hayden Hurst. Reminds me a lot. And I hate making comparisons, especially when a player hasn't played at this level yet. Because, I mean, Hayden, as many of you remember, he was just an absolute stud here. There's a reason why. He was a first-round draft pick. You know, he was an absolute baller here at South Carolina. So I say that because having a guy like having a guy like uh, Hunt is going to allow that wide receiver room to have less pressure on them. In addition to that, we mentioned guys like Oscar Attaway and some of the running backs they've been able to bring in here who have the ability to get flexed out to the slot position, even a guy like Attaway who's played out on the perimeter sometimes as a wide receiver, it's going to be able to help South Carolina, again, take some of that pressure away from the wide receiver room. But at some point, you need wide receivers. You need wide receivers to um, to, to really to really elevate their game in that room. I mean, we can sit here and talk about Nicholas Harper. That's great. That's great. They need more than that. You know, is Harper going to be able to take that next step? He did a lot of good things towards the end of last season and flashed throughout the season. Is he ready to go into a role of being the number one guy or the number two guy competing for one of those spots? Because again, how does things play out? Is South Carolina able to bring in Brown from Coastal, 
and McGowan from Vandy? Are they able to finalize those deals? Because if they don't, again, that puts more pressure on a guy like Harbor to have to be that guy. Is he ready to be that guy? Oh, he's a five-star coming out. Of- That's great. He was a five-star athlete. How many times we got to freaking say this? He was a DN and tight end in high school. He was a five-star athlete, not a five-star wide receiver. He really struggled, really struggled throughout camp because some people got upset. Oh, why don't we see more Harbor clips? Why aren't we seeing more updates on Harbor? Harbor really struggled to catch the football consistently when he got here. Joe, were you here for some of the practices early on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You said, you, you I saw it. I mean, you tell yeah. me, am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, Did he struggle no. catching? No. Because some people think we're, we make this up. Yeah, no, he definitely had a problem catching the football, but obviously he figured that out and worked his way into the lineup. But like, and he was dealing with some injuries too. We know that yeah. as well. Yep. So I mean, but that like that was the biggest thing in, in the front end of the year. It's like, oh, if this kid's so good, like why isn't he playing? It's like, well, some kids have a development curve, and you know he had been sprinting all summer, so you know he hadn't been catching footballs, he hadn't oh, been doing geez. anything related to Travis. that. So it's hard to make that adjustment. Travis, I think you misunderstood what we said. If Attaway was a wide receiver, he'd be coming as a wide receiver. Attaway is a running back. Attaway was used in the slot and on the perimeter at times because he's very versatile. We see this with running backs. We see this with running backs. So no one is saying Attaway is playing wide receiver. I know some people have PTSD with some of these players getting brought in to play one position and they play another. It's not what we're saying. We're saying is he brings more to the table than just playing running back. There are some players that you can do that with. There are some players that you can't do that with. Mario Anderson, probably not going to put Mario Anderson on the outside if Mario was still here. I don't think we really even saw that last year, right? Um, Kevin Harris, didn't really see Kevin Harris on the outside. You, you, When you have versatility, though, it allows you to do a lot of different things. Never mind the fact of what happens when you have two running backs on the field, right? From a personnel standpoint, and then you motion a guy out into the slot or you motion a guy out onto the perimeter and you're creating some mismatches. And some of those running backs do a really, really nice job on the perimeter in the blocking game, whether it be a screen, whether it be, be you know, again, if you have two running back uh, set and you run to the outside. I know some people don't like hearing you know, Clemson players' names, but I've been watching a lot of the, the Jaguars this year, it feels like, just because, I don't know, maybe it's red zones just showing a lot. You know, Travis Etienne does a nice job on the perimeter in some of those situations, and they've been running a lot of, you know, two running back sets. So I say that because, again, does not mean Attaway's coming here to play wide receiver. What it means is that he has the ability, ability to move around a little bit. Yeah, 100%. What we got here? We got, uh, so I did see a question again about Braden Lee as well. Braden Lee? Yeah. So Lee, 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 the plan for Lee is he's going to be signing and he's going to be yeah. uh, enrolling early. He's going to be one of those early enrollees. So um, yeah. we'll have a full list on Gamecock Central of all the early enrollees. I mentioned some of them. I'll throw uh, – because I put this up on social media the other day, so I'll share the ones that we have. Where is it? Let's see. And I got you now, Travis. That's the way it came across, though. But it's all good. 
My bad, buddy. Here we go. What we got here. We have the early enrollees. All right. So I said this. I said this on social media the other day that this doesn't mean that these are the players who. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be more. Okay, and there could be some changes to this list. This is what I was told as of last week. Now, in addition to this, Braden Lee. So again, if you're not, if you're looking at the screen, you're like, where's Braden Lee? Braden Lee is also on this list. Okay. Braden Lee is also on that list. So when I look at that list and I look at some of the players that are coming in here, you know, Cam Pringle, obviously his ability to create competition on the offensive line, because I know there's been a lot of people talking about the O-line with the transfer portal this offseason. Um, I know there's been a lot of people talking about that, right? But really, yeah, but he he literally just tweeted the other day that he's going to be signing with South Carolina. Yep. So I don't know where some of this is coming from. Chris Clark said he's monitoring it, but again, as we were saying, I think he's a hard South Carolina lean. Um, I'll pull something up. Darren says, I thought Reno wasn't rolling early. He is. He is. Let's see. Yeah, if any, if something were to change with Braden Lee, um, it would be, it, it would surprise me. It would surprise yeah. me. I feel like South Carolina is in a very good spot. Um, but uh, again, you know, looking at that list, going back to the offensive lineman talk, uh, though, in particular, I know there's been a lot of people mentioning, and I say a lot, I don't want to throw everyone in there, but there's been a good amount of people saying, man, South Carolina should go into the portal and get an offensive lineman. From everything that I've been told, everything I've been told, and I've had constant conversations with people in the building, and I'm constantly monitoring what they're doing and where things are at. I think what people need to realize is, yeah, obviously if they can go in and, and bring in a talented offensive lineman, they'll do that. The problem is, and I can tell you this from the Malik Murphy situation, because a lot of people are asking, well, why are we hearing more about Malik? What Malik Murphy wants from an NIL standpoint, I mean, it's just it's just dumb. I think he's going to end up at Duke. I think he's going to end up at Duke. Now, I say that because a guy like Malik Murphy, you bring him in, and if Sellers were to beat him out, now you're paying a backup quarterback more money than you start a quarterback. And now there's going to, you know, so there's all these ripple effects that take place. And these are the things that, you know, it's easy just to say, hey, you know what? Why don't they add? Why don't they just add this person? Why don't they just do that? Just give them whatever money they want from an NIL standpoint. Well, number one, we're not dealing with monopoly money. And I think a lot of people understand that. But number two, it's not as simple as just say, all right, give player X this much money. You know, give player X this much money. As I've shared before, when Juice Wells hit the transfer portal, there were players in South Carolina's building who already had verbal agreements to sign some Garnet trust deals, or there are players that, you know, weren't having Garnet trust deals uh, in terms of the contracts. We've seen the announcements, right. You know, coming back, this and that, but they also wanted more money because they viewed it as essentially cap space. Like you see in the NFL, it's not cap space. It's yeah. not cap space. 
Yeah, it's really not. Uh, Mark brings up Monroe Mills has committed to Louisville, South Carolina offensive line target in the portal um, from Texas Tech, I believe. Uh, so that's kind of a blow to your class, but also doesn't derail things. Um, Big Red asks, are guys still nego- able to negotiate NIL after they sign? That's when um, – so what Jeremy Smith told me um, in my interview with him for the walkthrough is that he doesn't directly negotiate until the guy gets here. Like they have ideas and and just kind of essentially a ballpark what they could offer, but legally they're not allowed to speak with the recruit until they actually get here. So that's when they negotiate the, the, mm-hmm. the nuts and bolts of it all. Yeah, and, and what I can tell you is what we're starting to see more and more and I'm not saying Garnet Trust is specifically doing this, but we're seeing more and more at some schools. NIL agents are becoming more of a thing, I think, to some people yeah. last week or whatever the hell it was. I mean, you lose track at times sometimes with all this NIL stuff and transfer portal with Mario Anderson having the NIL agent. You know, some they're like, wait a minute, there's NIL agents now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's NIL agents now. So, you know, I, I bring that up because some of the – Talks are going on uh, between agents and and um, collectives, but you know it's just it's just one of those things. Now, again, about the Braden Lee situation, and I think this is why where you know some of the conversations are coming from. And I'll you know Chris has kind of been talking about it. Um, what we're learning so much about the transfer portal, what we're learning so much about this NIL period and just things are constantly changing. Um, Chris put out a report about Braden Lee. And again, if you want to see the full report, head on over to Gamecock Central. But Chris, I know myself, I don't want to speak for Wes. Within the last couple of days, we've been told that, you know, Lee is essentially a lock with the Gamecocks. Um, and that the idea of a flip to the Terps seemed in the past. Well, we have continued to monitor the situation, continue to follow it, continue to say, again, I'll speak for myself. And I think Chris, again, he, he kind of put this out there, but I won't speak for Wes. Things are continuing to look positive for South Carolina, as we've seen in the past, especially with this school. Um. Obviously, it's something that we'll continue to keep an eye on. Having said all that, having said all that, what it appears to look like if Lee does indeed commit to South Carolina, it looks like he'll be enrolling early. Um, He actually posted. Let's see. uh, Lee posted on social media. On Sunday, said, I will be signing my national letter of intent on December 20th. That is tomorrow. Also, will be graduating high school next week and will enroll early in January. We'd like to thank all the fans, media, and the coaches that have stuck with me through this process. Time to make it official. Hashtag God did. And then put more details on my signing day coming soon. I'm assuming, I'm assuming what that necessarily means is, you know, what time he's going to do it in the gym, the high school, whatever, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Mike, do you want to hit some ads? I mean, I'm in no rush to get, to get out of here, but um, it would be good to get the ads in before. I mean, we even think about shutting things down. Yeah, let's do it. 
Sweet. Yeah, as always, our good friends over at Liberty Tax will lead things off. Tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for a refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 and on on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs, Mike. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing a home or you're just interested in finding out what are some of the lowest rates on the market, give Clint and his team a call. I know that when our very own Wes Mitchell and his wife, when they were going through the process of buying a home, they called Clint. When uh, Perry Orth, former Gamecock quarterback and captain, and his wife Shannon, when they were going through the process, they called Clint. And by the way, shout out to Perry and his wife Shannon on welcoming their baby daughter yesterday. So, First-time parents for those two, and they are in a lovely home because of Clint Hanneman. So give Clint a call, 803-771-6933. I want to bring this up. I don't think, unless I miss something in the comments section, someone talking about juice, I don't think anyone does. So Charles Johnson says, stop worrying about juice wells. Talk about South Carolina getting better. Um, so because Chuck brought this up, Chuck, we're going to talk about juice wells just for you. So I uh, shared this on 107.5 The Game yesterday. And we'll move on from the Juice Wells era, but because Charles wants to bring this up. Again, didn't see anyone bring that up anywhere, so we'll talk about just for you, Charles. Uh, the crazy thing is, oh, maybe because we talked about Juice at the beginning of the show. I don't know. could be a family member. You know how these things go. Anyway, bottom line is this. As, I, as we've reported multiple times, this was not just about NIL. There were things going on in terms of having to repair relationships if Juice Wells was going to ultimately come back to South Carolina. That didn't happen. Didn't happen. Now, having said that, Juice going through the process of looking at other schools, talking with schools like Texas, Tennessee, Ole Miss, from our understanding, from our understanding, the NIL amount that Juice's camp felt they were going to get was not anywhere close to what they were going to receive. And ultimately what he's going to be getting at Ole Miss is a hell of a lot less than what he envisioned. Number one. And from every indication and even Jay Phillips of 107.5, the game said he, he heard this as well. And you know, again, I've talked to people direct when it comes to uh, situations like this, it's actually less than when he made last year at South Carolina. So, you know, look, October 5th, it's going to be interesting when he comes back here. Um, Anytime I dealt with Juice Wells as a person, I thought he was awesome. I've always said this, though, and I've been saying this. This new era of college football, okay? And this isn't directed at Juice. This is talking about in general. If we're going to create, if we're going to create, gotcha, cocky Joe tweet. Thank you, Charles. Um, if we're going to treat these players like professional athletes in the sense of them making a lot of money, and even if they're making a hundred bucks, okay, it's okay. It's okay to take the kitty gloves off and we talk about some of them. It's okay. So 
there's been this stigma with college athletes. How do we handle things, right? How do we talk about how do we talk about this player because they're oh they're not a professional athlete. It's okay if they want to be treated like professional athletes. It's okay to take the kitty gloves off while doing so in a professional manner. Joe, let's play a game. Let's play a game. A player leaves your school. Is it okay to go tweet at their mom or quit at their dad and go tell them to go f themselves? Uh, pick on. I, I got it. I got it. Um, What's the answer? I'll, I'll take no for five hundred. No, points. no. Yes. Okay. Is it okay? Is it okay to be upset and call out a player? As far as hey, you know what, man? They were making a lot of money. I'm disappointed that they didn't play. Oh, I'm disappointed that we didn't get more of a reasoning because of X, Y, Z. Is that okay? No. Ah, Joe, I would say it is okay. I mean, it's okay to feel that, but it's not okay to tweet at them. I would, I I would say it's okay to talk about it though. Message boards, you know, there's a lot. My point being is, you know, it's okay. It's okay to take the kitty gloves off for some of these players. Yeah. Again, Juice Wells, Mario Anderson, insert whatever player, right? I know those two names are going to be the ones floating around the most. Those two players, those two players are going to grab a lot of attention because of NIL and this and that. But it's okay. It's okay to treat these players without the kitty gloves on. Again, do so in a professional manner. I'm not sitting here saying, man, Juice Wells is a, you know, a this or that, or, you know, Mario Anderson's bad. No. Again, for my interactions with both of them, really nice people. Really nice people. Okay? But at the same time, too, you know, I've dealt with professional athletes, good people. But when you're talking about, and again, that is what our job is, is to talk about sports. We talk about this now. I mean, this is a new part of it, right? This is a new layer of it. I'd rather be talking about the games and the X's and O's and all that kind of stuff, but this is where we are. This is where we are. Yeah, plain and simple. I mean, the Juice Wells situation was kind of a sticky one for South Carolina. Uh, you know, going to, having Juice Wells go to Ole Miss, guy that you thought or have having him, you know, commit back to your team and then flipping, you know, days later. Yep. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. So if you're a boy, Chuck, you, this yeah. Chuck, the other Chuck, Chuck says, since they're getting paid, yes, it's okay, but do it with integrity. Absolutely. Yep. Like I said, yeah. you know, and I can only speak on what I'll, what I'll say, but um, yeah, you know, there's a, and Kevin says, yeah. Um, Kevin says, you know, when they make sure. it public, they can't then cry about it. And, you know, when they get the, then they get the attention and big red says, you know, when fan base turns on players, they really messed up. There's a great quote from my college coach, and I know I've mentioned him the last week or so. Shout out to Bob Chesney over at James Madison now, new head football coach of the Dukes. He said a great quote when I was in college, and I'm not saying that he invented the quote, but it's just one that I've always remembered him saying. You know, in life, you have freedom of choice, but you don't have freedom of consequence. So, I mean, you can do whatever the hell you want, really. You know, you want to go out and chase the bag. You want to go enter the transfer portal. You want to do whatever you want. That's great. But don't get upset now with the consequences. Those consequences could be, and I know some people are going to say that it's classless, but if someone's going to boo you at graduation, people are going to boo you at graduation. It, it's part of the consequence. You know, I when I got down here in 2016, and again, I've been covering the SEC even longer than that, going back to my days in Mississippi. I keep hearing, and I heard so much, and this is why I love living down here. People care about, college football down here 
They love their college football, Joe. They love their college football. They wear it on their sleeves. So now you insert this new era of college football and college athletics, really. And you have people paying out of their own pockets, NIL. I mean, to go to a game now, I'm not saying specifically South Carolina, I'm talking about college football in general. It's more expensive now than ever for a lot of these places. People are going to get upset. Again, there's a fine line with not crossing it and, you know, making things personal. I still think it's dumb when people do that with professional athletes. There's a difference, right? You can still call someone out, but do it in a manner in which you're not calling them out as a person or whatever. Again, some people might not feel that way with this case, but yeah, that's how I feel about all that. That's how I feel about all that. So it's going to be interesting. October 5th, I remember as a Red Sox fan, I can't remember if it was Johnny Damon. I don't remember if it was Alex Rodriguez. I remember when one of those players came back to Fenway Park, though, they threw a bunch of fake money. The fans were just, it was Fenway Park was just raining in fake cash. So don't know if that'll exactly be the case at Williams Bryce Stadium, but uh, I wouldn't put it past Gamecock fans to get creative. So uh, we'll see what happens on August, or August, October 5th. Uh, all right. Real quick, Joe, real quick. Yeah. Do you want to go down the list? I know we mentioned Braden Lee. Want to go down the list. And just to remind people, too, that may have missed this, okay, as far as what's going on tomorrow with National Signing Day, there is going to be, there's going to be a National Signing Day post-party, if you want to call it that. I don't know exactly what they're going to call I think it's more so just to celebrate the, hopefully, what will be the $1 million match. Uh, with that campaign with Garnet Trust. Tomorrow, December 20th, Garnet Trust will be hosting a casual happy hour at Liberty Tap Room in Grill on Gervais Street from 5 to 7. It says, come celebrate all the great things going on with Gamecock Athletics and NIL. We will have some great stuff to give away. So I'm going to be over there. I don't know if my colleagues Wes and Chris will be there, but I wouldn't be shocked if they poke their heads in. And I say I'll be there, but... Uh, fingers crossed that there's not any chaos going on uh, with uh, <laughs> the signing day and there's no circus or, you know, even a couple of years ago with the whole Jordan Jordan Burt situation where, yo, yeah, I'm going to South Carolina. All right. Where's your uh, national letter of intent? Oh, I'm just not signing it today. And it's just like, oh, Maron, you know, so hopefully that won't be the case. But uh, yeah, come on by. Join us. Hopefully uh, you guys will be able to celebrate the one million dollar match. One million dollar match. Uh, high school players, again, just a reminder, some of these guys won't necessarily be signing tomorrow, but just to remind people about South Carolina's class, five-star edge Dylan Stewart, five-star offensive tackle Josiah Thompson. South Carolina has two, two five-star commits, two. Where that puts South Carolina, Joe? Where that puts South Carolina as far as other colleges out there for National Signing Day? It's tied them for the fourth most number of five stars. Ohio State has four. Again, things can change, but as of today, Ohio State has four. Bama and Texas have three. And then South Carolina, Auburn, Clemson, Texas A&M, Florida, Georgia, and Florida State all are expected to have two five-star signees. After that, keep going on down. Michael Smith, the star tight end. From the state of Georgia, he's expected to sign on Friday. 
Uh, four-star edge, Wendell Gregory. Four-star wide receiver, Mazio Bennett. The uh, 4A Region 1 Player of the Year from Greenville, South Carolina. Four-star offensive tackle, Cam Pringle. Four-star linebacker, Fred Johnson. Four-star safety, Calvin Hunter. Four-star athlete, Jalewis Solomon. Dante Reno. Recently got bumped down to three stars, but if you look at some other places, they have him as a four-star still. Uh, he'll be signing tomorrow, South Carolina, the first commit for the class of 2024, all the way back in July of 2022. We mentioned Braden Lee. We'll continue to monitor that. Matthew Fuller on three, has him as a four-star running back, three-star offensive lineman Blake Franks from Greenville, South Carolina, three-star defensive back David Busey, three-star punter Mason Love. And we also mentioned that South Carolina is also looking pretty with being able to add a talented wide receiver in Gatlin. So things are looking good right now to be able to land Gatlin. If those of you don't know who he is, I'll just pop this up on the screen real quick, Joe. And then if you want to have any just comments on, um, any of those players, yeah. or maybe Gatlin, you know, you let me know. But just to let people know, this is who DeBron Gatlin is. He is a six foot tall, 175 pound wide receiver from the state of Georgia. It looked like he was going to go to AM, right? Because, well, Jimbo was over there. And then Jimbo, of course, things change and then he decommitted. So that's where things stand right there. Uh, a three-star wide receiver, but a guy that's been getting a lot of attention. I mean, you look at some of those offers in terms of the top four, and as Joe, you always call it, big boy recruiting battles. I mean, those are some pretty good schools to be in the company of when you're yeah. talking about trying to recruit a player. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up, Mike. This is a big boy recruiting battle for DeBron Gatling, um, really talented kid, uh, you know, really, really – fast i mean he's got to help you a lot on the outside and obviously with juice wells transferring out and xavier get going to the nfl draft you need some depth at wide receiver obviously you're getting some in the portal but debron gatling would be big um another guy to go into the position room and, and you know up the competition level right that's where we've seen south carolina wide receivers have success is when you know they are competing against each other and there are a lot of good talented guys in that room um, so DeBron Gatling's no different. I think he adds to the competition level there. And then, you know, in terms of other guys, obviously I'm really high on Dylan Stewart. I think Dylan Stewart uh, has the potential to go change things um, in terms of how the defensive line has been playing. You pair him up with the Des U. I think, um, you know, things could change the way people view the South Carolina's defensive line. You know, the last couple of years, um, there hasn't been as much respect on it. Um I think that's going to change with Dylan Stewart um, leading the way there. I've talked to Sterling Lucas about him plenty of times. You know, they think he's going to be a dude. So watch out for Dylan Stewart. He's the biggest name in this class. Save um, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah. David makes a joke. That, goes, Xavier, yeah. Right. The Xavier joke. When Stewart and Thompson signed, they'll, uh, they'll become four stars. So, Kevin. Yes, so you you heard me say that correctly because yeah. Kevin's like, wait a minute, Love was a five star. How did he become a three star? And then you know, Clint, what Clint says is yeah. spot on. When you're looking at these consensus rankings, kickers, unfortunately, kickers and punters, place kickers and punters, the way that they get graded is just different. Uh, it's yeah. different. So that's why you and I may have said that three star. That's why. Um, with the consensus rankings and when you're just looking at it from a website to website. Having said that, as far as a kicker goes, 
yes, he is a five-star kicker. He is considered one of the best in the country. He's actually rated as the number one punter in the land by the Coles Kicking Camp, which is considered the premium clinic for specialists in the country. And we'll have capsules for those of you who may not have followed Gamecock Central last year, or you may have seen some of the videos we've done in the past with with our breakdowns. We'll have a capsule on each player, and we'll have a complete rundown. So as soon as a player submits their national letter of intent, I believe some of it's still done with fax machines. I mean, it's friggin' 2023, and we're still dealing with fax machines with some stuff. Not all of it, but whatever. Anyway, having said all that, as soon as those things come in and we get the green light, we are going to continue to update the list as far as players who are signed, sealed, and delivered. Okay? We will have that list for you on Gamecock Central. What you will see, what you will see, you will see a story on each player. You will see a video, a little capsule, and that capsule will have updated highlights on players as far as what they were able to do this past season in the high school ranks. We'll give you, uh, we'll give you updates on some of the accomplishments. I mentioned Mazio Bennett, right, with his Player of the Year honor. Uh, we will also will give you any updated measurements if they have gained an inch, if they put some weight on, which isn't uncommon for high school kids, right? I mean, you're dealing with some kind, you know, 17, 18 year old kids. I will also give you updates if they've moved up or down as far as their overall consensus ranking, as well as what we might have them on with on three. So that is what you can expect tomorrow. In addition to that, we will be, and I say we, I mean I, but Gamecock Central will be at Beamer's press conference. I believe that is slated for 3 p.m. We're also going to have, multiple, multiple uh, Gamecock Central personnel throughout, not just the state, I believe actually outside the state as well at some of these signings. So we're going to have you covered literally from wall to wall. Wall to wall, if anything changes, right? We talked about Braden Lee. We will keep you posted. I'm sure, I'm sure this evening, if there's any updates on that, and I say this evening just because usually around that time, and it could happen beforehand, Usually at that time, things start to come out, right? Things start to come out. So, yeah, Darren says, same way that Reno dropped to a three-star. Yeah, I literally did an update. I literally did an update on all the players that are expected to sign for South Carolina, maybe like a week ago, or all the committed guys. And Reno just, like, drops, like, 15 spots. I'm like, what the frick? Like, what happened? What the? So, uh, I'll say this. Depending on what website you were looking at back in, I don't know, would have been the 2010 class. Connor Shaw was a three-star by some websites, including the old website, the old parent company for Gamecock Central, and uh, his career turned out pretty good. So, you know, again, stars are fun to talk about, certainly when you're talking about the uh, the five stars. But, um, yeah, some of them, I mean, all you can do is look at it and laugh. But um, that's kind of what we got. Joe, Mention those players. Is there any player in particular? You may, I mean, we talked about Dylan Stewart. Yeah, Is there yeah. any other player that you're interested in seeing who you feel like could make an impact right away for South Carolina? Yeah, I was going to also bring up both offensive linemen. Um, I know they're, it's not kind of a sneaky thing. I mean, they're part of the Great Wall of Carolina, but we saw the impact Tree and Tro made right away. Um, and so – you know, Beamer's recruiting of offensive linemen, you, you've you seen if those two guys can at least try to make an impact. You also have Marky Anderson. But the last two pieces of the, the Great Wall of Carolina, if you will, 
are coming in. And I'm really excited because both of them are enrolling early in Cam Pringle and Josiah Thompson, both of them in-state talents. Um, so I, I think, you know, both of those guys are, are guys to watch out for. Um, and, you know, they both have this, the size. Obviously, I think Josiah needs to put on a little bit of weight, but he's still putting it on his, before he even gets here. Um, but, yeah, to watch out for both offensive linemen. I think if if they're not starting, they're going to be, you know, in the rotation or at least, you know, competing for a starting job. And I think that's very, very big. And I think both guys are really hungry to see the field and, and, and get adapted with this team and, and start building camaraderie with Tree, Tro, um, Marquis, and all the guys that are in there um, right now. Um, so watch out for the two offensive linemen. I, you know, it's a position of need, and these two guys should excite you a lot if you're a South Carolina fan because they're very, very big boys. And so they, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, um, potential talent to be tapped into with those two and in a position that you need very, very, very much. And obviously with last year, you saw the injuries. Depth is another big thing. So those guys are going to be very, very big and a very big crucial part to this team, regardless if they're starting or not next season. So the thing with Mazio Bennett, because Greg mentions, you know, Mazio's under the radar. The thing with Mazio, by the way, Mazio and his teammate over at Greenville, Blake Franks, they yes. are expected to sign their national letters of intent, which they won't be able to fully fax in, right? Fax in for until tomorrow. Uh, that is expected to take place today at four. So, you know, majority of the guys, they're not going to be, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered until, um, you know, throughout the day tomorrow. I mean, some guys are right away. You know, and then again, you'll see some guys wait a little bit later in the week. I want to bring this up, though, Travis, because I hear you. I understand, especially when we talk about NIL, and there's going to be some fans that are upset. Travis says, can you imagine many of the legends allowing a physically cleared player to sit around and collect money while claiming they are not mentally ready to play? It's a slippery, uh, it's a slippery slope, Travis. Very slippery slope. I get what you're saying. The problem is this. There's, there's a couple layers to it. One, and I'm not saying it was a mental health thing, but from talking to many coaches, it's so easy now. And I'm not saying that was the case with Juice Wells. What I'm trying to get at is, especially knowing that, okay, at the time, you were expecting Juice to come back next season. If you really push things, you know players are going to leave. This isn't, unfortunately, the 70s, 80s, 90s. This is even really 10 years ago. Uh, for that matter, you have to handle things a little differently. And it is difficult, even as a coach, even as teammates, because you could hear it in Beamer's voice. You could hear it with what the way he was talking. You could hear it from offensive coordinator Dal Loggins, even in that Wednesday press conference leading up to the Clemson game. You could tell they were frustrated. And from talking to people close to the program, other people were frustrated too about it because they knew that he was medically cleared for a couple of weeks. Having said all that, having said all that, there is something to be said. And this is where I'll side with youth just a little bit, just a little bit. If you don't feel like you're mentally ready to be able to get back yeah. out there, because I, I'll never fault a player for that. Having said that, it felt like this wasn't a hundred percent of that. I felt like at one point it may have been, but as they continued, again, medically cleared for really the last four weeks of the season, uh, but especially that last one, I think there were some people that were upset. So I think, you know, with Beamer and any coach, really, for that matter, it's a tough situation to be in because, again, 
you're hoping that the kid's going to be back next season. So you're trying to figure out how do I handle this situation so that I don't slam the door completely in my face, in the team's face, for this kid uh, to just take off. And unfortunately, that's how things played out. They tried their best. They tried their best. But, um, you know, at the same time, too, and I said tried the best, they tried to do everything they could without making it a um, a bigger issue. Unfortunately, yeah. as I mentioned, there were some relationships that needed to be repaired. And I've said this before in the past. I'll say it again. I really, you know, we'll get off the juice wells soapbox for a minute. Um, there was going to have to be some, you know, there was going to have to be some things that juice was going to have to swallow and man up to and basically say, all right, you know what? Could have handled things differently. Let's just move on. So again, that's, that's kind of where we're at with things. Yeah. Big red asks, do we as fans read too much into social media posts from said player, put too much stock in cryptic messages? I mean, I think sometimes I, everyone can do it, right? Like when a player makes any social media move. Well, think, yeah. is, is this talk as far as recruiting goes? Yeah, that's, that's also good. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, Marcus Lattimore was on here maybe, what, three weeks ago or so? And we've talked about this in the past. Unfortunately, yeah, especially now. We talk about NIL valuation and all that other stuff, right? If you're following on three, you will know what I'm talking about. Some of these players, they know exactly what they're doing as far as, all right, hey, I know I'm going to be committing to this school. And they know that for months. But they're going to play the game. Why? Because they're trying to get their social media followings up, whether it be on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter slash X, whatever the case may be. And they have fun with it. I mean, Lattimore said, he's like, I knew I was going to South Carolina probably for the last month before signing day. And he's like, I just had fun with it. So, yeah, it gets annoying. I mean, I can only imagine some of these coaches trying to put a depth chart together, trying to figure out how many scholarships are we going to use for said position or whatever the class and you're caught in these games now more than ever. I mean, it's, it's a pain in the neck. So um, what I would tell fans, as far as some of these messages go, just be cautious as far as, you know, you don't want to read too much into it. Yeah. It's the old, it's the old saying, right? Don't get your expectations too high, right? No one's telling you to, to be feeling miserable, but just be, you know, cautious right? Just be cautious. So I say that about any player, really, um, simply because until, until pen meets paper, it means nothing. And unfortunately, as we all know now with the transfer portal, even if pen meets paper, that's why I mentioned the Daniel Hill situation, and it's been well-documented. Daniel Hill comes to South Carolina, as we've known before in the past, going back to August, when he was originally going to have a signing day and then it was pushed back. Well, I want to make sure I'm on the same page as my dad. If he comes to South Carolina, who's to say that a couple months later, they won't be on the same page again. I hate to say that. I'm not trying to scare people, especially if that player comes here or any player for that matter, but it's just the reality. It's the reality of what, so, you know, look again, South Carolina, they certainly still have some areas where they need to, add some depth in. They need to be able to add some experience to competition, right? Quarterback certainly being one of them, but they've done some nice jobs with addressing the running back room. They've done a nice job with being able to add some more experience in what would be a very young tight end room to go along with Josh Simon, who of course is your most experienced guy. Wide receiver room can still add some more experience there. 
Uh, defensively, they've been able to do some good things in the defensive line. I mean, that defensive tackle room, my goodness. My goodness. I really like that D tackle room. Joe, you and I have talked about it before, but as I look down, yep. trying to make sure there's not, let's see. All right. I'll make sure there's nothing to report on uh, publicly yet. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy. I'm not trying to dangle the, the steak. I don't say carrot. Dangle the steak uh, out in front of people. So, uh, look, it's going to be a busy day tomorrow. It's going to be a busy evening. What I would recommend folks to do is to head on over to Gamecock Central. Again, if you're not a subscriber, sign up today. Just $1 for the first month. Or you can sign up for a year for $55. $55. And you'll be able to be updated as far as what is going on. What do we got here? Well, this is what people are talking about. Yeah, All right. Let's throw this out there. And this is why people are talking about Malachi. Malachi Nelson. Yep. Portal Pete, as we call him. Portal Pete for on three. USC five-star. And he writes USC five-star. Correction. Sorry, folks. Again, just reading it. Southern Cal. Don't want to get crucified in Columbia. Southern Cal five-star freshman quarterback Malachi Nelson plans to spend the next two weeks narrowing down a list of schools making visits and plans. Nelson Camp has primarily has had talks with Tulane, TCU, South Carolina, Houston, and Cal per sources. So that is where we're at right now. You need depth, Mike. You need depth. Can I'll pull it up real quick it? from Portal Pete. We love Portal Pete. We do. On Pete's, been doing, Pete's been doing a great job. But here is the report from Pete. We'll share this. So I have no idea from an NIL standpoint. Um, but hey, we'll see how things play out, right? There is it. Portal it's gonna Pete. be interesting. I mean, obviously, it was rumored that South Carolina was in the mix today, and then this official report from Portal Pete, obviously, um, you know, mentioning that Nelson's camp has been in touch with South Carolina. Again, Mike, they need depth in the quarterback room, so you you're gonna be looking for quarterbacks. Malachi Nelson's a it's a bigger name, sure, and South Carolina's been in the mix for a lot of bigger names. Um, you know, in terms of quarterbacks, but, uh, you know, Nelson, you, you need depth and you, you want to go get the best player, um, I, plain and simple, right? Like you, you're not trying to, like, like we've said in the past, you're not trying to baby Lenoris or, or go get some guy that's, you know, not going to hurt his feelings because, yeah. you know, you want him to be the guy, right? You want him to beat out the best guy that you can bring in, challenge him because if he really is as good and, you know, all lives up to all the hype, then he should beat out whoever you bring in. It's a, it's a big deal. So, I mean, Malachi Nelson, KJ Jefferson, whoever it is, you still want Lenoris theoretically to beat him out. And if he can't, then you have a guy that's capable yep. of, you know, hopefully winning football games. Yeah. I mean, look, bottom line is this, this is a five and seven team, five and seven team. You're losing some very talented pieces from this year's roster. Right, you're losing Spencer Rattler. You're losing Xavier Leggett. You already lost Mario Anderson. Now they've done a very nice job with replacing, in in my opinion, upgrading that running back room. 
from top to bottom. They need to continue to go out and add some pieces to that wide receiver room because, again, it's going to be very young, very young, and they need to be able to add competition in that quarterback room. Now, I keep saying experience because, obviously, in a perfect world, you'd have some type of experience in that room, okay? Having said that, you bring a guy in like McCall- um, Nelson, right? You bring him in here, and the competition level between him, Sellers, Reno, if Doty's going to continue to be in the quarterback room, you have competition with those guys? My goodness. My goodness. Now, having said that, is there always the possibility if a guy like Nelson comes in that you could run off a quarterback or two in that room? Absolutely. But you know what, though? That's college football now. That's college football. And as much as I'm excited to see what Sellers can do, as much as I'm excited to see what Reno can do, at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. It's about wins and losses. So if you feel like there's a quarterback out there that can make this team better, whether that be as a starter or someone that could push Sellers and everyone else in that room to be the best version of themselves. Because again, as I said, I've been saying this for friggin' months because I think some people now are like, oh, you're just saying that now about... No, we've been saying this joke, right? We've been saying this. If Sellers is as good as people think he is, adding competition will not change that. It will only get the best out of him. And you know what? God forbid Sellers isn't the week one starter. If you bring in a guy like Nelson or whoever, right? If anything, and I know there'll there'll be some fans that will have their tinfoil hats on and feel like there's a conspiracy and all that. If anything, it should tell you that, you know what, maybe that guy wasn't as ready. And that's not to say Sellers won't be. That's not saying Sellers won't be. That's not to say Reno won't be. But what it's showing is, you know, you need to be able to create competition in there because if you don't, if you don't and you just roll the dice with what you have, yeah, Sellers could be really friggin' talented, really talented, really talented. But you also could run into a situation like Clemson had this year. Yep. You know, everyone thought, oh, Clubnick's going to be the guy. You know? So I just think, again, especially young quarterbacks, if you have someone else in that room to push them, I think Sellers is only going to get better. And I think Sellers can have a very, very, very good career here at South Carolina. I think that Reno could have a very, very good career here at South Carolina. If Nelson were to come to South Carolina, buckle up. Buckle up because the message that Beamer sends to their whole team, especially with that quarterback position, sends to the whole team is that we're not going to allow people to get too comfortable here. Yeah, plain and simple. And again, like, I mean, Mike, we're just repeating ourselves at this point. But yeah, you want Lenoris to be able to beat out a guy like Malachi Nelson or whoever you bring in. And if he and if he doesn't, he's not good enough yet. And that's just development that happens sometimes, right? Some guys take a little bit longer. And sure, I mean, Lenore Sellers beating up on the twos at the end of the games gives you every indication that, you know, he should be the starter and all this. And we've heard everything out of camp and all this. But, I mean, you if you have to bring in a quarterback for roster purposes and, you know, if Lenore can't bring beat out the guy that you bring in, he's just not ready. Playing yeah, and, Nick, and Nick, Nick, I hear you. you yeah. know. Nick mentions, you know, with Malachi – he thinks it'd be huge, but his biggest concern is yeah. that he has the same amount of experience as sellers. And yeah, right. I mean, so the thing about the only thing that worries me 
with Nelson in this situation, Joe. Yeah. And I think we were kind of talking about this with Malik Murphy. And I have no idea, no idea what Nelson would want from an NIL package standpoint. I have no idea if that's really a motivator from him, for him. But I I say it because, let's say, just for the sake of conversation, it is part of it, okay? Again, I have no idea how much Sellers is making, but you bring in a guy like Nelson, and let's say this guy gets beat out, right? You want competition, which is exactly why you'd bring in a kid like Nelson. Sellers beats him out. Hypothetically speaking, if you overpay for Nelson, you don't think Sellers is going to get wind of that at some point? These players talk. Everyone has an idea of what some of these guys are making. And I've, and I've shared right here on this very show and other shows. There's a lot of players, too, that go around telling other players how much they're making, and they're not making anywhere close to it. The number of stories I can tell you of how much that's happened. Oh, yeah, I'm making this much. And they're not even making friggin' they're making less than a quarter of what they're telling other players. So I say that because, you know, we can sit here and say, okay, you know, Beamer and the staff, they have to find a way, regardless of who they bring in, you know, they got to make sure they keep the team together. It's not as simple as that anymore with NIL. With NIL. And again, that's not to say that would be an issue with Nelson. But again, again, whether it be Nelson, whether it be one of these other quarterbacks, in the event of you have to pay a pretty penny for it, what does that do to the quarterback room? What does that do from a team standpoint? Yeah, NIL, Garnet Trust, they're doing a phenomenal job these last couple weeks, closing in on their $1 million uh, match campaign. Bringing a guy like, Nelson or whoever, and that person doesn't start, okay, yeah, you were able to create competition, which, again, that's great. But are we worried at all about any impact in terms of egos, right? Well, this guy's making more than me. I mean, it's human nature, especially when you're 18, 19 years old, and depending on how much so much you know, some of, those, some of these guys are making. I mean, we could sit here and say, oh, sellers wouldn't be worried about that. Oh, you know, Reno wouldn't be worried about that. I mean, this is human nature. Real quick, and I'll have to uh, piggyback off from that, Joe. Clint just asked, can portal players sign tomorrow as well? So the thing about it, Clint, and this is actually a question that I'm going to be talking with Beamer about. I'm going to ask him this question tomorrow. There is no binding agreement for portal players until they enroll into a school. So that could actually be their first day of classes. Until they enroll... Into the university, there's no binding agreement. That's why, unfortunately, and it's happened to other schools. Again, talking with coaches at other programs over the last day or two, there's been examples. We saw it with Swan, right? He he committed to South Carolina. He verbally committed on Sunday night, and now he's going to LSU. Yep. The, the scary thing now is because of NIL, and as I've mentioned many, many times before, NIL is not the issue. NIL is not the issue. It's NIL combined with loose regulated transfer portal rules. Yep. And when you add those two things together, you have an absolute nightmare. And now for South Carolina, like I said, 
McGowan, whatever. All these players we can mention, right? Going down the list. You have players who are committed to South Carolina, but it doesn't mean anything. Just like, you know, from a high school standpoint, too, until they sign their national letter of intent. Their equivalent to a national letter of intent as a transfer portal player is enrolling into a school. It makes no sense. I can only imagine the headaches it's creating for some of these coaches across college football, but that is where we stand. That is where we stand. Kevin says, or Joe, actually, why don't you uh, share your thoughts on kind of some of the stuff we were talking about before we're talking about the portal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you want to balance out the portal class with what you need um, in the signing class. So I think, you know, there will be a lot of questions about that tomorrow. Um, And, you know, I think what Shane will give the answer of is, you know, they're attacking positions of need right now. And in this signing class, you're a little bit offensive line heavy. So they aren't going as hard trying to recruit offensive linemen in the portal. Um, You know, I'd say it's more of a secondary position of need at the moment, but obviously you still do need some guys for depth, but right now you're worried about a quarterback. You need, you know, before all those guys are perched up. So, um, you know, that's a big thing. And, you know, Clint, that was a, it was a good question. And until they enroll, I think, again, that was part of the the whole shadiness or if you will, the, the whole, um, you know, weirdness of the Swan situation, because, you know, he was verbally committed to South Carolina at one point and then, you know, just turns around and goes to LSU. Well, Joe, think about, think about your show the other day. Yeah. And I'll use you. Yeah, exactly. Like we, I mean, cause- because you even said you're like you know isn't he isn't he you know signed sealed and delivered and I said ah, I said not quite not yeah quite and I said that's that's the issue with this stuff so um it stinks it, it really does stink I'm not just saying that because South Carolina is yeah. going through it I would say this regardless I think it's just a, it's it's stupid again because when you combine the portal with NIL and not every situation is going to be NIL as I shared before from talking to people close to the situation this had nothing to do with NIL. Swan was not asking the Garnet Trust or their collectives, um, Carolina Rise. They weren't, he wasn't asking for more money. Okay. Now, I have no idea what his package is over at LSU. I have no idea if he has a package over at LSU. I would assume he does because this is the world we live in, especially for a position like that. But had nothing to do with NIL. Nothing to do with NIL. Yeah, absolutely. But again, so you're going to try to balance recruiting classes with what you need, um, you know, running back They're They're pretty, you know, short up on that. And so that's why they, you, you see them going after offensive linemen. Obviously the kid who just committed to Louisville was a big target, um, but you know, the portal's still wide open and you still have a whole nother, um, you know, portal window essentially after spring ball. So, you know, there could be some guys that make an impact next year that you get, you know, after spring ball. Now, granted, are they at a disadvantage because they missed the spring? Yeah, sure. But, you know, there will be some studs that they go get in that little spring window that you'll see on the field in 2024. It's not out of the question, especially if they have a full summer mm-hmm. ball um, to make an impact because the real season starts in the summer. The spring is where you get better and, you know, get to show off and, you know, give coaches a chance to, you know, give you more of a shot in, in the summer. But, you know, the summer is where men are made, obviously, in August. So that's one of the bigger deals. Um, so it's far from over. Um, you know, Kevin, Clint, all those guys and appreciate everyone tuning in on this talking Tuesday afternoon. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where, you know, the rubber hits the road is in August. So when you see the roster as it is going into summer camp, be ready. And that's when we can start, you know, looking at who's got to play, who's not, 
Um, but as of now, I mean, even into spring ball, I don't think we have a really good indication. And sure, you know, in terms of the quarterback situation, we might have an idea, but that's all subject to change in summer ball too. So we are far from it. And the transfer portal drama is, is very fun to follow, sure. Um, but, you know, we are far from football. And sure, this the spring season, we'll get kind of an idea, but the rubber hits the road in August. And right now we're prepping for it. And sure, the, the signing class tomorrow, we're, we're going to be busy. And be sure to stay tuned here to Gamecock Central. We'll have all of the coverage of every signee and all of the latest developments in terms of flips and, and who we're getting, who not. And then, of, of course, the addition of the transfer portal stuff as well. So um, going to be a busy Day. And then obviously we've got the holidays um, coming up, but then, you know, picks right back up in January. But uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't stop, Mike, especially with football. No, yeah. especially with the portal, too, because yeah. the portal doesn't stop. The transfer portal window won't close actually until January 2nd. So it's yep. a 30 day window. What that means is a player has to declare that they are entering the portal between. Well, obviously it's opened up now. It's been open for over a week now, but yeah. they have to declare during that period of time until January 2nd. That doesn't mean they have to share where they're going to school. Having said all that, and Joe's point, especially with, you know, talking about having to, uh, you know, missing out spring football, if they don't enroll for the second semester of the year, then yeah, they won't be here, but they would have the opportunity still to be able to enroll into a program later on. There's also, there's also a second transfer portal window (laughs) that is in the spring. You have 15 days for that. They trim things down a little bit. It used to be 60 days. Now it's down to 45 because you have 30 for the winter window and then 15 for the spring window. So that's kind of where we're at right now with things. And I noticed, and I just wanted to pull it back up real quick because uh, Kevin and Joe, we've talked about this before yeah. with the D tackle room. You know, Kevin says defensive tackle room has drastically improved. We haven't had depth. To have a seven, uh, five, seven man, seven, five, five, five to seven man rotation, we do now. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. For success. Yeah. Being able to keep fresh legs. We shared this last week, maybe on Tuesday or Thursday. Being able to have those extra bodies in there. When you look at what South Carolina did from a defensive standpoint, and I know it's real easy to look at some of the stuff. I'm not saying the defensive back play was phenomenal. I think they were struggling to be able to find a guy who could play that nickel position. They were able to figure it out at one point, at some point. But a lot of it, and I said this many times, when you look at what South Carolina did when they struggled in games, a lot of it had to do with the fact that they really struggled to put pressure on quarterbacks. In the games that they had a lot of success in, they were able to create tackles for loss. They were able to create sacks. They were able to do the things that you needed to in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback. I've said this before. I don't care who's in the secondary. I mean, you could have a all-star cast in the secondary. I mean, put J.C. Horn out there, Stephon Gilmore, D.J. Swearinger, uh, Captain Munderland. I mean, whoever you want in the secondary and put whoever at nickel. It doesn't matter. If you can't put a pass rush on, and especially in this league, they're going to eventually tear things open. You know, So I think being able to have fresher legs will help them. I still think we'll see some of the three-man front, but I also think, too, we'll start to see South Carolina go back to what they want to do, which is a 4-2-5, because that's the era that we're living in now. A lot of the matchups, personnel standpoint, you have those hybrid tight ends. You know, the way I look at it, they're really like a hybrid. Um, they're, they're, more, they're, more, they're more wide receiver than anything else just because they have the speed of a wide receiver but they have the size of a tight end and they can make an impact as a pass catcher. 
All right, intern Joe, I think we're ready to close up shop. Um, yeah. Again, if you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can find not just this show, but any other show that you may have missed. Plus, if you haven't subscribed already to our YouTube page, do that for free, especially tomorrow, because tomorrow, every time, every time a player submits his national letter of intent and it is official, right? He is officially signed, sealed, and delivered. You will get a notification right to your phone, tablet, wherever, and it'll let you know the latest capsule on each player. And in addition to that, you'll be able to have a story. So if you want to learn more about a player, and obviously, as many of you already do, you guys do a phenomenal job, do a phenomenal job of following up on what's going on on each player that has committed, even going back to Reno all the way from frigging the summer of 2022. But if you want to know more information, like I mentioned before, Maisie O'Bennett, he was a uh, player of the year in his region. Just any updates, any additional tidbits, we will have all of that for you. And then if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can listen to this show in every other Gamecock Central show, including the ones on 107.5 The Game. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Again, National Signing Day, early National Signing Day is tomorrow. I'm sure Wes and Chris will have a show to recap everything. We will have um, additional comments from Shane Beamer tomorrow. We'll have that for you on Gamecock Central. We'll have the link for you on Gamecock Central if you want to watch that. And also, be sure to come on out to Liberty Tap Room tomorrow night to celebrate National Signing Day with the Garnet Trust, and I'm sure some of us over at Gamecock Central will be there. That will be taking place on Gervais Street from 5 to 7 as the Garnet Trust is closing in on being able to hit their $1 million match campaign. So, again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Do your best to catch some sleep while you can. I'm sure there will be some additional information. This isn't me trying to tease anyone. But there'll probably be some additional things to follow tonight on Gamecock Central, so be sure in the lo- to stay on the lookout for that, and we'll keep you monitored throughout the week as well. Again, everyone, enjoy your early thank National you. Signing Day tomorrow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Another big show here today. Yep. Intern Joe, appreciate you. As appreciate always. my girlfriend for putting a friggin' pillow in front of our alarm that was going off here because the whole friggin' building's going off. Yeah. It wouldn't be early National Signing Day without some chaos. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everyone, and we'll see you later on in the week.